A Skagway medical provider is heading to Ukraine to assist fleeing refugees. And the U.S. tsunami warning system isn't working like it should. It's the KHNS Local News. I'm Mike Swayze. Those stories are up next. A Skagway medical provider is heading to Ukraine to treat people fleeing the Russian invasion. Brent Kunzler told KHNS earlier this month that he'd go to Ukraine if his medical training could be of value. On Monday, March 14th, Brent got the call to help. Brent Kunzler is the medical director at Skagway's Health Clinic and a former Green Beret medic. His long-distance girlfriend, Nadia, and her two children live in a flat in the city of Zaporozhye in eastern Ukraine, the home of Europe's largest nuclear power plant. They met online four years ago and developed a loving relationship while never meeting. Kunzler is taking vacation time to go to Lviv in western Ukraine and help set up a triage unit for injured refugees fleeing the country. He says it's not safe for Nadia to visit him there, but he's going to help anyway. I sat down with Brent Kunzler on Friday to talk about his upcoming mission. People I know from military days contacted me and said that they are going to set up a triage point in Lviv, which is just on the other side of the border from Poland, and is one of the main routes of escape and invasion from uh, what's going on in Ukraine. And so you're only going to be there a few days. Do you expect to see Nadia during that time? Um, I won't see her, but I. what's more important, I think, is, well, that she's safe and she is safe. Uh, what's more important is to help uh, set up this uh, triage unit, take care of uh, as many people as we can as for as long as I can stay there. Then I'll come back uh, to work in Skagway. Meanwhile, leaving uh, some of my buddies there to continue the mission. And so what does it take to set up a triage center in a war zone? Well, you really don't need very much. You can triage anywhere out of a truck or a car or, or anywhere, really. Uh, but we're looking for something a little more substantial, probably a GP medium tent, uh, which is a, a good size military type tent. We will have body armor, helmets, and stuff, but I expect that what we're going to be seeing is some injured folks that have come along the way that haven't received any medical care or very little, and we'll figure out what they need and then get them to the proper facility, either a hospital, a clinic, or something in Poland. We've got some vehicles lined up to do that. We have permission from the uh, Polish government to do that. You said before that you registered with the Ukraine Foreign Legion? I did that, and uh, the guys uh, that I'm talking to say that's a mistake. And what they're telling me is a lot of folks who have done that, uh, once they get there and they get into the real heat of the battle, they decide that was maybe a mistake. Some, obviously, are ex-military and know what they're getting into, but I think some people want to help, they truly do, and they truly want to do something. But once you're faced with people either shooting at you or bombing around you, that, that kind of changes the perspective a bit. And yeah. you've got experience with that. We've got a lot of years in the military, been in Iraq for eight years, I've been bombed, shot at. But not so, hit? No, I've never been hit. 
vehicle's been hit a number of times. So, so the way you avoid getting hit is you drive really, really fast. <laughs> I bet. You know, that's a good way to do it. <laughs> I'm not there to fight. I'm too old, too fat, too slow. But what I am good at is static, gorilla, hospital-type care. So Okay. Thanks for stopping by and uh, sharing the story with us. You're welcome. That was a conversation with Brent Kunzler, a Skagway medical provider planning to go to Ukraine to treat people fleeing the war. He says he hopes to ship out once he finds somebody to cover for him at Skagway's Dahl Memorial Clinic. The country's tsunami warning system is in urgent need of an overhaul. That's according to a report compiled by a panel of seven tsunami experts and presented to NOAA's Scientific Advisory Board in January. KMXT's Kirsten Dobroth reports. The U.S. currently has two tsunami warning centers, which operate independently of one another, one in Honolulu, Hawaii, and the other in Palmer, Alaska. Rocky Lopes co-chairs a group of tsunami specialists that's been studying the nation's preparedness. They're both independently analyzing an event that may produce a tsunami. Sometimes they come up with different results. Sometimes those results are shared between the two centers, and sometimes they're not. That can lead to confusion, says Lopes. Unifying the country's two tsunami warning systems was among eight recommendations identified by the Tsunami Science and Technology Advisory Panel. When you visit tsunami.gov, which is the singular website that displays the results of both tsunami warning centers in near real time, the different bulletins, it's hard to really know unless you study it and know which center is issuing which bulletin. The underwater volcanic eruption in Tonga back in January highlighted that issue and others. Lope says the most destructive tsunamis are caused by underwater earthquakes. The Tonga eruption generated seismic ripples on the ocean floor, but it wasn't an earthquake, and tsunami warning centers had to depend more heavily on other ocean equipment, like special buoys that watch for tsunami waves, and manually update their systems to get the alert out. In other words, gathering data and issuing a tsunami alert is pretty routine when an earthquake has generated a wave. But it's more complicated when the tsunami is from a non-seismic source. Having two separate tsunami centers working on the same problem makes it difficult to efficiently get information out to the public. And if one center went offline, that would be a problem. Both tsunami warning centers are still functioning quite well. You know, when an event happens, like Tonga, You know, they rose to the occasion and they did everything right. We just have more to go. We have better alerting to do. We have better uh, capability and backup that we need to have implemented that we just don't have quite right now. Despite some of the shortcomings of the tsunami warning system as a whole, Lopes says Alaska has done a lot to prepare its coastal communities for a disaster. The University of Alaska Fairbanks, for instance, has mapped tsunami inundation zones for the state's entire coastline and out the Aleutian chain. That's been helpful for city officials in Kodiak. The city has been working with UAF for about three years to update its inundation maps. And Kodiak city manager says they plan to hang posters in hotels and public areas around town with the information. 
Lopes also points to NOAA trainings and communication between coastal communities and the Tsunami Warning Center in Palmer as a strong point. Getting both Tsunami Warning Centers on the same page, though, will streamline the system. We're really looking forward to it being more unified and having clearer communication for everyone, for emergency managers, for local officials, for media, for the public. What NOAA will do with the recommendations is unclear for now. Agency officials didn't respond to emails seeking comment. In Kodiak, I'm Kirsten Dobrath. For KHNS News, I'm Mike Swayze. Thanks for joining us. You can listen to and read local news stories on our website, khns.org. You can also subscribe to or follow KHNS News anywhere you get your podcasts.